Welcome everyone to our weekly discussion podcast. My name is Pastor Kyle. And I am Pastor Holly. How's it going, Pastor Holly? Uh, it's good. It's good. It's yeah. You know what? It's not 95 degrees. My goodness. Uh, if you live in the Pacific Northwest, yeah. uh, we went from like winter uh-huh. to like super hot summer. Peak summer. Mm-hmm. It's like turn the oven on all the way. Yeah. Not gradually, all the way. Like hotter than our normal summers. Yes. I think it yeah. got to 95 uh-huh. yesterday. Yeah. Here in in Seattle area. In the Seattle area. And That's then crazy. today. Yeah. It's like 65. It's like we had 60. like a 30 degree drop. Yeah. In one night. In one night. That's crazy. It was a great night, right? You yeah. Sleep with the yeah. windows sleep open the windows and open. you go to bed like just burning up and wake up freezing. Yes, exactly. It's weird. We, uh, we were just talking, you know, a lot of Pacific Northwest homes do not have air conditioning. Right. We might have those portable units, which we have a couple of the portable yeah. units, but. Not like central air conditioning. Most Pacific Northwest homes don't necessarily have that. Yeah, because we, we think we think, oh, it doesn't get that hot, or <laughs> only like once or twice a year. But oh, that once or twice a year would be worth it. Yeah, and then all of us Pacific Northwesterners. I mean, you know me. I like cold, rain, and clouds, right? And so anything. <laughs> I do know, yeah. I always, I always tease Christina. Anything over like sixty six, sixty seven, it's too hot for yeah. me. I mm-hmm. can't handle it. Low 70s, I mean, great for like a day or two, but can it get a little cooler? Wow. <laughs> wow. That's, I don't even, I don't know if I'd admit, like this is being recorded. I don't know if yeah. I'd admit that. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I uh, would much rather be cold than hot. And so, yeah. That's anyway, my last... husband as well. Much prefers cold weather, cool weather. And uh, I, like your wife, grew up in an area that it actually, That's right. it actually got, became hot in yes. the summer. And there were seasons. Yes. Besides rain and not rain. <laughs> I know. That's like, those are two really... There's only one of those seasons that's really good, the rain season. Good. Well, that's okay because that's pretty much all there is. Yeah. <laughs> Except My for wife, the one day of summer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. My wife grew up in San Diego, and so she loves like those mid-70s yeah. to upper 70s, low 80s days that are sunny and wonderful. So. Yeah, my family who's still in the Midwest or around the country uh, tease me for complaining about any sort of heat here because they're like, it doesn't get hot. Yeah. Are you kidding? It's 90. <laughs> That's nothing. But yeah, and like no humidity. No AC. Right, yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. So, well, we hope you all uh, are cool, yes. comfortable, and now I suppose warmer because it's like 60 outside. Yeah. I hope you're staying comfortable yeah. in wherever... <laughs> Whatever temperature range you're at. Your furnace has probably turned back on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, speaking of home, see, there we go. <laughs> Got to continue with these really That's clear, good. like, good transitions. Professional segue. I, I know. It's That's professional. Great. Yep. It's what we do. <laughs> uh, we are in the, uh, another week here, week four of our Psalm series. And this week, we looked at Psalm 48, which Psalm 48 is kind of a really cool psalm uh, because it, it actually describes uh, some of what that time and place was like, Yeah, uh, which is really fun. But we kind of use Psalm 48 as a springboard to talk about the idea of home throughout the Bible, well, kind of major chunks of the Bible. So Old Testament psalms to kind of early New Testament to now uh, post-Jesus uh, pastoral letters and our current reality today. Yeah, yeah. 
it's, this is a great uh, starting point. For yeah, us. it's a great yeah. starting point. So we did talk about the idea of, of home last week. Uh, we looked at Psalm 90, and Psalm 90, again, was attributed to Moses. If you remember, I loved, I loved uh, looking at that psalm because it it's one of, if not the oldest psalm yeah. in the book of Psalms, so there's kind of a unique, cool aspect to that. Uh, but Moses, the perennial wanderer, the guy who had no home ever, mm-hmm. uh, the very first line he says in Psalm 90 is that God is our home, yeah. which is really powerful uh, and encourages us to, to understand God as our place uh, in a really significant way. So the idea of God and home is prevalent throughout the Psalms, and often when the Psalms talk about Jerusalem or uh, the temple mm-hmm. or the idea of home, it almost always refers to God's presence, which is really cool. Yes, very cool, because they had, the understanding was that the, the temple was a holy place and that Jerusalem was a holy city, and it was holy because God was there. Yeah, that's right. And if you know kind of your Bible, uh, kind of your theology, you know, even the history God's presence solely resided in the in the Old Testament, solely resided in this place, in, in a temple, mm-hmm. uh, in the temple, the tabernacle, and then the temple. And um, inside the Holy of Holies was yeah. the very presence of God. Yes, in th- this chamber within the temple. So you can you can kind of picture this emanating, you know, yeah. radiant presence of God contained in the this center part of the temple and then the holiness kind of just flows yeah, from there, right? right yeah. Exactly. So and so like the people kind of attributed the temple itself as, you know, a, a home of sorts or for God, but or the it represented the presence of God. It was usually always built in the center of their society. So whether yes. that was travel the tent of meeting, traveling in the desert, they always when they set up, they stopped. It was always in the center of their of their uh you know their encampment. Tents, their encampment. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Uh, and then when they built the temple, uh, it was in the center. Both temples that were built were in the center of Jerusalem, essentially, yes. and high and lifted up on the top of this hill where everyone could see. Right. Yeah. Even in battle. Yeah. Right. Taking the, the ark with them in battle. Yeah. Had the same um, structure. Yeah. So it's kind of cool. So with all of that in mind, we come to Psalm 48, which is really cool. And it starts out like this. How great is the Lord? How deserving of praise in the city of God, which sits on his holy mountain. Right? There you go. It's high and magnificent. The whole earth rejoices to see it. Mount Zion, uh, the holy mountain, is the city of the great king. God himself is in Jerusalem's towers, uh, revealing himself as its defender. Uh, the kings of earth joined forces and advanced against the mighty city, uh, but when they saw it, they were stunned and they were terrified and they ran away. I love it. This is like <laughs> it's so fun to read this. They were gripped with terror. They were uh, they writhed uh, in pain like a woman in labor. It says, uh, and then it goes on, and then it comes to this last part of it, and it says, "In the city of our God, He will make us safe forever." So again, remember the idea of city, Jerusalem, tabernacle, all of these, um, they mean more than just the specific thing here. They also mean the, like in, in general, the presence of God. Yes. So in the city of our God, in the presence of God, he will make us safe forever. Oh God, we meditate on your unfailing love. Now, if you remember unfailing love, we talked about that last week in Psalm 90. Yes. It's also translated as loving kindness, which is 
uh, God's loyal and unending commitment to his people. Shows up over and over, over again and over. in the Psalms a, and throughout yeah. Scripture. Yes, it's wonderful when you understanding that. So we yes. meditate on your unfailing love as we worship in your temple. Uh, and then, I love it, it goes on, it says, your strong right hand is filled with victory. All of these powerful connections in the psalm, the idea of your strong right hand, that's like shorthand in the Old Testament, referencing the Exodus, because God yes. brought his people out of Egypt with his strong right hand. And so you see, whenever you see strong right hand throughout the Old Testament, it's a quick reference to that event. Yeah. Uh, and a recognition of all that God did in that event. Um, so it's cool. And then it says, let the people on Mount Zion rejoice. Uh, walk around and count the many towers. Take note of the fortified walls and tour all the citadels that you may describe them to future generations. Mm. Isn't that cool? I love that. I love that thought of this is the presence of God. And even that reference to the strong right hand, like this this constant reminder of what God, who God is and what God has done uh, throughout the, the story of his people. Um, that's what we're doing and taking note of the fortified walls, right? And touring the citadels. It's it's looking around. What has God done and who is God and how has he been faithful and and how will he be faithful again? Yes, that and that's that's uh, those are exactly. And the the inference here for us is that God will continue to do that. He is continuing to do that. And that's what yeah, he will continue to do that. Yeah. I mean, just incredible even to today. Our time today, God is still the God who's delivering with his strong right hand. Yes. Right? Yes. It's our story too. <laughs> it is yeah. our story too. Yes. That's so good. So uh, one of the connections that we are we kind of made in this message, and I think this is really important, is that I, I we wanted to emphasize that we have a part to play in this idea of home, yeah. uh, of, of God's temple and presence from the Old Testament to our very time today. And I hope this is like... You know, maybe a, a reminder of the kind of the role that we play as followers of Jesus, but also a call to action in the sense of like we have an active part in the presence of God in this world. Yeah. So this is this is where we kind of use Psalm forty eight as a springboard, which is really fun. Kind of tracks this idea of home. Uh, spending time in God's presence is very very important. So the Psalm calls us to do that. Walk around the citadels. Count the 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 towers pay attention to the details like look at god yes <laughs> right yes just soak this in right soak and, it in. And i love that pay attention just pay attention pay to attention. god and who god is yeah so much so that you can describe it to future generations yes right that's yes. maybe in this idea of passing on what you've received passing on what you've learned yes learn this inside and out <laughs> so i love it. it it reminds me of another psalm psalm 48 which says how lovely is your dwelling place o lord of hosts my soul longs indeed it faints for the courts of the lord my heart and my flesh sing for joy to the living god even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow a nest for herself uh, where she may lay her young at your altars o lord of hosts we i think we talked about this last year mm -hmm. in our summer psalm series but psalm 84 is this cool it's it's written from the perspective of a pilgrim who is has been at the temple and is about to go home yeah but doesn't want to leave right because he's been in the presence of god and it's so transformative yes and then he even looks like he looks up at the at the building and he noticed some birds building a nest. Yeah. He's like, oh, if I could be like those birds yep. who could build the nest and never leave. Yes. I just want to stay here. Yeah. 
Like, I get that. I could, I, I think sometimes about, like here in the Pacific Northwest, we have um, bald eagles, which are still just awe-inspiring to me because I didn't grow up in an area where they were common. And so every time I see a bald eagle like flying overhead, I think, oh my goodness, the the view that this bird has, right? The majesty from this quite literal bird's eye view and the way that they can swoop and see these great heights and see all of um, all of this beautiful creation from a perspective that that I can't have. This is kind of what this reminds me of. The, this psalmist, this pilgrim, is just talking about a swallow in a nest. Yeah. But, but you get to be here, bird. I want to be. I want to be able to do that. I want to be able to have this constant perspective of God and His greatness. Yes, that's so good. So this kind of idea is something that's that's we all as followers of Jesus were like. Yes, I want that. We need that. That's important for who we are, for how God works in the world. But the cool thing about God's presence throughout Scripture is that it changes. Yeah. Not in the sense of like God's character and his actual presence, his person doesn't change. Uh, but the the kind of uh, mapping God's, the representation of God's presence, his home, yeah. quote unquote, does progress in some really cool ways. Yeah, I think just as we see throughout Scripture, um, in every way, the story of God bringing us closer and closer to the person of Jesus. That's what we see in in God's home as well. Exactly. Yeah. So that's exactly it. So the next step is you follow the Old Testament from the Old Testament to the New Testament. One of the things that we've always kind of talked about is that the idea of God's relationship to his people from the Old Testament to the New Testament, if you map it through the idea of covenants, his relational agreements— with humanity, it gets more specific and closer as yes. you get to the New Testament, all yeah. the way to the person of Jesus. Right. And so that is the next kind of iteration of the presence and the home of God as you move from the Old Testament represented in the temples, the tabernacle and the temples, those get destroyed. Yeah. And so then God's presence, he, he that that's a continue it's important uh that that happens and stays, you know, God stays in a relationship with his people, has a presence. Yeah. So that then gets expressed in the person of Jesus. Yes. Yes. And those, the destruction of those holy places, as you said, devastating to the people, to the culture, because this is their, their understanding is that's where God lives, where God dwells and where is God now. Right. And there's this, um, this period in scripture that we kind of talk about as being this period of silence of like, where's where is God and have we lost God's presence because we no longer have God's home among us? And then enters Jesus. And then enters Jesus. John 1.1, 1, 1, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. I love it. Yes. We saw the glory of God with our own eyes, which if you if you go back to the psalm here, Psalm 48, see if I can find it quickly. Um, it talks about... Uh, but when they saw it, they were stunned. You know that we've seen we've seen it with our own eyes. Uh, anyway, there's really cool kind of actual language connections here between the idea of looking upon God's presence in Psalm 48. Yes, and then hear what it says in John 1 1. And this is the message version. But the Word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. We saw the glory of God with our own eyes, the one of a kind glory, uh, like Father, like Son generous inside and out, true from start to finish. Yes. God in his very nature, Jesus was God in his very nature. Yes. And like 
other places in scripture says, you know, Colossians, we just did a series on Colossians that Jesus, that Christ was the visible image of the invisible God. The New Testament is very clear that Jesus is God, Mm -hmm. the very presence of God in our midst, walking around our streets, having conversations and changing people's lives. Yes. It's completely just mind blowing, right? I mean, here in the Psalm, we see, um, let's see, as you said, uh, we had heard of the city's glory, but now we've seen it for ourselves, the city of the Lord of heaven's armies. This just awe, this amazement at seeing the city of God, at seeing the home of God, right? And even with this understanding that they could not look upon God himself, but just seeing God's dwelling place was enough to just leave them in awe. And in the person of Jesus, we are not only seeing the city of God in that same way. We're not seeing a building that uh, that holds God. We're seeing God yeah. himself in the flesh. In the flesh. And it's really cool because if you, if you kind of start to, you read the New Testament, the Gospels and the Epistles, uh, you start to see a lot of the teaching of Jesus and the Apostles are helping to, uh, to, to change people's thinking about how God operates in the world and what he's doing. Yeah. And so a lot of, like for Paul, he'll start in the, in the synagogues, right, in the centers of Jewish learning and conversation, and he starts talking about, he always, almost always, starts with uh, the old story of how God used to operate in the Hebrew and Jewish people, and then kind of makes his, the story progresses to the person of Jesus, and then Jesus comes along and actually does this ministry and changes people's lives, and so Jesus, the apostles, and then later people like Paul and others are like, see? (laughs) <laughs> right. It's so cool. It is so cool. He kind of does this. Here's what we know, but now. But now. But now. Yeah. Jesus. And then we get to the part where, uh, which maybe Jesus coming in flesh and blood was certainly unexpected, an unexpected action of God uh, as far as people were concerned. Yeah. Right. And then Jesus does another really unexpected kind of fun thing, which is after his death and resurrection, just about just before he ascends to heaven. It's one of my favorite scenes in all of scripture yes. because I think it was just so surprising where he took, he looks at all of his disciples and he says, okay, all, all power and authority has been given to me. He recognizes that he says that. And so I just wonder if their expectations was like, okay, like here we s- go. Snap your fingers. Yeah. Your kingdom is established. We're all good. Everyone will believe in you. Right. Yeah. That's not what he does. He no. looks at me, says, okay, I'm leaving. And now it's your turn to take the message. I mean, it's a little bit funny, right, yeah. to think about what their responses may have been, <laughs> their reaction, because here's Jesus. They, I mean, they've walked with him. They've seen his ministry. They went through their their times of doubt, even their times of rejecting him, um, watched Jesus die, and then witnessed his resurrection and um, and and glory, right? And so, yeah, they're all excited because here we go. Here we go. We've been waiting for this. You've proven that you are who who you said you are. Uh, we know you are God. We know you uh, are the Messiah that we have been waiting for. Let's go. Yeah. Jesus says, yeah, yeah, you go. Yeah, you go. Wait, what? <laughs> I'll see you later. Yeah, that's not <laughs> what we were thinking you were going to say, no. Jesus, which is really cool um, because now here's the part that we connect to, right? Because Jesus leaves and he says, it's your turn, but he says, I'm not going to leave you alone. And the Holy Spirit comes and comes on and in 
the pe- on, on and in his disciples and all who believe. Yes. And so then, okay, so Jesus is gone, and yet he sends his spirit to indwell each of us, meaning that all of us together then become the place of the presence of God. Yes. We have, there's a number of scriptures in the New Testament that talk about how we are living stones. We're being built into a temple for God. And again, this temple language is how the original readers would have understood the place for the presence of God. Yes. It's just mind blowing. Yeah. I mean, so like First Corinthians three sixteen through seventeen. Do you realize it says that all of you together are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God lives in you? Yes. I mean, you can't get any more direct. Than no. That. <laughs> <laughs> and isn't uh, this just beautiful imagery to think about the the presence of God being in us, in each of us? Yeah. Because then that just puts then when Jesus is telling his disciples that you know he's heading out, but uh, but that he will send his spirit, and uh, and now the mission is theirs. It's really cool to think about that because what it means is that each one of us can take Jesus, can take the presence of God with us throughout the world. Yes. Yeah. Yes, as we represent the presence of God, not only individually, but also as a community. Yes. And there are significant uh, roles and responsibilities and blessings that we have to be a part of that. And so I think the question that we're asking is how how are you doing that? Yeah. How today are you the representation, the true representation of God's presence to someone who needs to see it? Yeah. I mean, that's a tough question. <laughs> it's a challenging question. It's a good question. It is. And it and it requires us, I think, to um to rely on God and on his work in our lives and in our hearts, because it's very easy to be like, okay, well, I'm representing God here, so I better, you know, straighten up and make sure I've got all my ducks in a row and all of that. And that's really not what it's about. It's really about representing Jesus in an an authentic way because you are living in relationship with him and and his Holy Spirit is working in your life genuinely. Yes. And it, it just takes me back to the very last verses of Psalm 48. If you were to put yourself in the place where these words represent the presence and place of God, right? So anything that has to do with the city, the city of Jerusalem, uh, those kind of things. If you were this, right? So the last couple of verses say, go inspect the the city of Jerusalem. If, if we were to tell people today, go and walk around the presence of the Lord. Yeah. Uh, walk around, count the towers, take note of the fortified walls and the and tour the citadels that you may describe them to future generations. Uh, for what for that is what God is like. Uh, he is our God forever and ever. He will guide us until we die. So if we are the temple of God and someone was to say to someone else, go inspect the presence yeah. of God, what would that look like? Wow. And how are you playing a part in that? Woo. It's <sighs> tough. It's a good question. A good question. I like that. <laughs> I'm going to think about that one. It un- it's yeah. kind of unsettling, right? A little bit, yeah. Which, yeah. again, we lean into, we say that's good because it challenges us to be more transformed and living into the ways of Jesus. But, Absolutely. Uh, I'm thankful for the way that Scripture does that. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I don't, we're not going to resolve that tension for you if you're listening. you got to... Ask those questions. Go figure that one out. But maybe do it in front of an air conditioner and stay nice and cool. Yeah, or a furnace, whatever. (laughs) Yeah, whatever. Okay, bye. (laughs) 